What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com and CBS Sports.com networks. Today, we roll on with our position-by-position review of the 2016 season with the cornerbacks. But before we dive into that, just a quick reminder to, if you haven't done so already, to please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app. And to check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network, which includes Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On NFL, and Locked On Fantasy. And you can go over to PackerReport.com at some point, whenever the NFL finally announces who's going to the Combine. And I'll start posting my humongously long, unbelievably in-depth Scouting Combine research series. All right, with that, I'm with the show and the cornerbacks. And as you know, the Packers lost Sam Shields with a concussion in week one and have since released him. What difference does one player make? I've gotten that a lot. Yeah, we know Sam Shields is a good player, but what difference does one player make? Well, here's an interesting take on that. Carolina lost Josh Norman in free agency last year. With with Norman, Carolina went to the Super Bowl. They, and they had the number one opponent pass rating in the league with a 72.3. They lose Norman in free agency. Carolina falls apart, and they end up 22nd in opponent rating at 92.0. A 20-point difference with one player. So let's go to Sam Shields, shall we? With Sam Shields in 2015, the Packers finished 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th. 7th with an 81.7 pass rating against. And they have been a very good team in opponent pass rating basically every year of the uh, Dom Capers Joe Wood era. You know, they were like, you know, for instance, they were 9th in 2014 in 82.0. And you just kind of go on and on. This is one of the sets that they have dominated. Historically, over the years, it's it's a big deal. You you got, if, obviously you've got a great quarterback in Rodgers, but you need to step to the guy's quarterback too. So again, in 2015, Green Bay seventh at 81.7. They lose Sam Shields. In 2016, they finished 27th at 97.2, a change of about 16 and a half points. That's the difference one cornerback makes. On the other side of the coin are the Giants signed Janoris Jenkins in the offseason and uh, Dominic Rodgers Camardi as well. And they go from 95.9 to a second ranked 78.7, a change of about 17, 18 points. You just can't overestimate the play of even a single cornerback. Heck, even San Diego with a mid level guy like Casey Hayward, their, their rating improves by 10 points. So that's the difference a Sam Shields makes. 
Packers don't have shields, and they, and they just fell apart last year. Part of it, yeah, you know, it was, you know, Randall and Rollins are injured, they underachieved, and, and all that other stuff, but something to be said for this, too. Shields was your number one guy. He, by and large, took the opponent's number one guy. Not every week. There, was, there were weeks where he played, some people played on one side, but, you know, by and large, Shields played the opponent's number one guy. And that would allow, you know, put Randall on number two and it will be Rollins on number three or whoever, or Hayward on number three or whatever it was. Now everyone moves up a spot. You know, it was, you know, it reminds me of, you know, for the NBA people out there, the, the Bucks. It's not just losing Jabari Parker that hurts. And God knows that's a big enough blow to the Bucks. But now you've got a guy starting who shouldn't be starting. And now you've got a guy coming off the bench who probably wouldn't be playing. It's just the domino effect. And I think that hurt the Packers, maybe not as much as the other stuff, but it, it, I think it certainly impacted Green Bay's defense and not having Shields. So Randall was supposed to be the number one guy, but bombed. And his bad season started right off the bat in, at Minnesota Week 2, the first game without Shields. He gets torched by uh, Stephon Diggs of the Vikings. Green Bay loses. And just kind of went on from there. Randall's a terrible season. After a prim, a primmy, that's uh, when you can buy pretty and promising, you get priming, a pretty promising rookie year. Pro Football Focus is kind of to send me along their data um, before the NFC Championship game. Randall allowed a sixty-four point three percent completion rate. Team worst figures, you know. Team worst figures. Now, my, he missed six games. Team worst figures of 800 yards and 10 touchdowns. Amazing that you can lead the team or be worse than the team, depending on your vantage point. It's hard to believe you can have the the most, give up the most yards and the most touchdowns and still miss six games. But Randall pulled that off. So um, that's not good. So 64.3 completion rate, 800 yards, 10 touchdowns. A 115.1 passer rating. The touchdown high, the touchdown total, the highest in the league. Again, he missed six games with a groin injury. Um, again, we, we've said this about a thousand times now. Is Demarius Randall a bad football player? Does Demarius Randall need a kick in the arse? Or was Demarius Randall hurt all year? And he, he was certainly was hurt all year. He missed a game with a groin injury, played the next week, injured it again, had surgery, missed five games. So that's a total of six games that he missed, but I mean, he was on the... God, there was a shoulder injury, an ankle injury, a knee injury. Someone on Twitter joked, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. So maybe I might have had all that. Um, so that didn't help. And again, it's you guys are probably tired of hearing it now, but I, I came up with it a couple months ago, and I'll keep using it. Is Demarius Randall the equivalent of Devontae Adams, who you all wanted to cut last year, or 2015? Again, I'm not sure what last year means at this point. I guess the Super Bowl's over. So anyway, you guys all wanted him cut in 2015, and or you, you all wanted a bench in 2015. You want him cut in training camp in 2016, and he's healthy. 
and voila, it's a, it's, it's a new player. So is that Demarius Randall? Is Randall bad? Or did he just play bad because he was service? He certainly played some good football for most of his rookie season. I thought he, obviously, he faded late, I thought, and then then gave up the, then had the mental breakdown on the long catch run by Larry Fitzgerald in the playoff game that lost the game. But by and large, he played pretty well. And there are enough flashes of Randall this year where you think that, you know what? Maybe he'll be all right. I mean, that interception against Seattle, when Wilson threw the ball deep for what looked like a sure touchdown, and Randall came off his guy and went over the middle and swiped that pass, that was an unbelievable play. You know, the play that he stole the ball from Eric Ebron against Detroit, great play. So there are enough of those plays where you think, maybe he'll be all right, but he certainly did not play all right by any stretch of the imagination. And you know, I wrote this in my in my Gritting the Packers um, on a salary cap curve series. Without Shields, the Packers badly need Randall to emerge as a legit starting corner. Otherwise, how on earth is this team going to get to the Super Bowl? I think he is the key. I mean, we're going to focus on these, on these draft picks. I mean, on these draft prospects for the next two months. And then we're not going to pick them, and we're going to focus on them for the offseason practices in May and June and camp and, you know, the start of, at the end of July, the start of August and all that. But if Demarius Randall doesn't play like a very good football player, I'm not saying he has to be a lockdown guy, but if he does not play like a starter, and I don't, I'm not saying that he is a starter, he needs to play like one. If he does not play like a starter, Seriously, how is this team going to get to a Super Bowl? I would say snowball's chance in hell of that. And maybe the same thing about Quentin Rollins. Rollins was horrible. Again, same thing with Randall. Was he horrible because he was hurt? Or is he just horrible? Again, he showed enough during his rookie. He didn't play a whole lot as a rookie. You know, Hayward, by and large, is that slot guy. But Rollins played a, a bunch down the stretch as a rookie and played pretty darn well. Had two interceptions, broke up six passes, probably could have had four or five picks without the drops. So, he, yeah, let's start there. Two interceptions, six passes broken up, and 322 snaps as a rookie. He played 702 snaps in 2016, intercepted one, and that was on a Ladarius Gunter deflection. So that was... Rollins being in the right spot at the right time, not really his coverage there. So one uh, one interception and eight passes broken up. From pro football focus, he went from zero touchdowns to seven. Ouch. Obviously, Rollins played well enough as a, as a rookie where Green Bay felt secure in letting Casey Hayward go. Obviously, that was a, ends up being a huge blunder from the old hindsight is twenty twenty perspective. Hayward led the NFL with seven interceptions. Rollins gave up seven touchdowns. Yeah! Rollins got benched against Jacksonville. Came back and played pretty well. Then he got that groin injury. This is from Pro Football Focus. Okay. And the Pro Football Focus numbers are not... Shouldn't be treated, should not be treated as gospel. They're very good and they're very helpful. 
I think they certainly point you in a direction, but I mean, you're guessing on cover responsibilities a lot of the time. I mean, you remember, remember, you remember, let's take, for instance, you know, Randall got, Demarius Randall got beat a couple times deep. Now, was that Randall's coverage? Or is there, or, or is there supposed to be safety help at times? And so that's where, you know, pro football, pro football focus, you know, just like you and me, or you're doing, you're taking your best guess at who's in coverage on some of those times. But anyways, so Rollins gave up a 71.6 completion rate, 724 yards, a team worst, 15.1 yards per catch, seven touchdowns. His pass rating of 135.4, ranked 118th out of 120 corners who played 25% of the snaps. That's not good. So I'm not sure if it's quite to the extreme of Randall, but if Rollins just become a legit role player, a guy who can handle, look, he played 700 snaps this year. If he can't play 700 snaps next year at an infinitely higher level than this, how on earth is this team going to get better? I mean, you can draft two or three corners, and they very well might, but there's no guarantee that you're going to get two or three playmakers out of the bunch. You've got to, you've got to hope that Randall Rollins play better, a lot better, infinitely better. Um, interesting question is, though, if the Packers re-sign free agent Micah Hyde, where does Rollins play? If you, if you keep Hyde... He's probably going to be your nickel guy, and he certainly played well. So that leaves what? Rollins is your dime guy? Or is that going to be still going to be Morgan Burnett with Kentrell Bryce's safety? I mean, Rollins could be the odd man out in all this. So he's he's got a very important offseason. God, I hate to say it. This I mean, he's a sucks your young guy, but he's got a big offseason if he's going to even salvage his career at this point. Certainly the potential's there. And we saw it at times as a rookie. He will hit you. I was like, I guess let's just get him healthy and see what you got. Micah Hyde, speaking of Micah Hyde. Where have these guys been without Micah Hyde? So it's probably not in the playoffs. In the first 11 games, Hyde had no interceptions and two passes defensed. In the final eight games, obviously including playoffs here, four interceptions, 11 passes defensed. No, Hyde is, I mean, he's got his, I mean, Hyde's going to have his issues. He's not the... Greatest of athletes, he was he will he will lose the quickness game at times, but he is a hell of a good football player. You know, I remember one of the Packers' um, top scouts. I won't I won't say his name. I'm not sure if he's allowed to talk to us media folk at practice. But he, me and a couple guys were standing at practice. Um, God, I think I think it was maybe it might have been might have been the June mini camp comes over just out of the blue. Who do you guys think is the most underrated player on the team? No, no, it wasn't because Who do you guys think is the best player on the team that nobody talks about? Right off the bat, I spent about two seconds thinking about it while the other guys sat there thinking too. I said, Micah Hyde. He said, you're right, and he walked away. I have no idea what the point of that conversation was. <laughs> but I mean, that's what the Packers think of him, and probably for good reason. Pro Football Focus, 67.9% completions, 619 yards, five touchdowns. For a 90.5 passer rating. But man, he is just a hell of a good player. Whether it's in the slot as your nickel guy. 
whether it's the dime guy, whether it's returning punts, you name it, he can do it. You know, Micah Hyde reminds me, he reminds me of John Kuhn. I remember when uh, Joe Philbin was the offensive coordinator. And I was doing I was doing a story on Kuhn back when I had a magazine. Back in the good old days of Packer Report magazine, created by Ray Nitschke. You know, I've been pointing that out. I have a lot of new listeners since this podcast debuted back in whenever the hell I debuted it. Um, Packer Report was created by Ray Nitschke. Um, he, in fact, Ray, Ray Nitschke was still playing football when he created Ray Nitschke's Pro Report. But anyways, where am I going with this? Oh, yeah. I had a magazine, and I was doing a story about John Kuhn for the magazine. And I asked Joe Philbin about him, and, and Philbin said about Kuhn, he's probably the guy when he's a kid that he was always the kid taken first. And whatever, whatever, you're, whatever the game you were playing out in the playground, he was probably taken first. I feel that is the same with Micah Hyde. He was probably taken first in whatever. Because he's just good at everything. And he's probably going to get paid pretty heavily this year. And again, he's got his warts as a player. But for as bad as this defense is, how on earth is this defense better if you lose Micah Hyde in free agency? It's not. So I would say he's got to be a key for this Packers team to keep during the offseason. That takes us, of course, to Green Bay's number one quarter. <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm mentioning Ladarius Gunter fourth here. But I am. Um, Ladarius Gunter goes from battling Robertson Daniel to be the fourth corner and maybe the last corner. And in fact, as it turned out, it was last corner. He went from battling Robertson Daniel and Josh Hawkins. I guess I shouldn't forget about Josh Hawkins here. But he went from battling those guys to be the last corners on the roster to being the number one corner on the team. I like Gunter. That's my number one corner, obviously. If Ladarius Gunter is your second or third guy, you know, maybe he's your number, maybe he's your number two. You know, what if, what if you're playing Alliance? And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, An- it's An- 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 Anquan Bolden's out there. You know, he is an Anquan Bolden game kind of game. You know, he, he's an Alshon Jeffrey kind of game. Well, he, you know, he, he is a matchup kind of guy. Because he's got his strengths and he's got his weaknesses. Obviously with his lack of athleticism. Heck, the guy, the guy ran 4.6 at the 2014 Combine. When he ran that, I wrote a story saying that he was the worst athlete among the DBs at the Combine. Because he wasn't fast enough to play corner. And I think he benched like eight times at the bench press. He wasn't strong enough to play safety. You know, it's like, God, what in the hell do you do with this guy? Well, he actually turned into a pretty good player. According to Pro Football Focus, a 56.2% completion rate, the best in the team. That's good. Also gave 769 yards and six touchdowns. No interceptions. Broke up a team-high 12. And he had the only two um, forced fumbles by a cornerback. All that... Ends up is a pass rating of 104.2, which isn't good. But you know what? You know, speaking, I was speaking about Micah Hyde and John Kuhn. Ladarius Gunter's Don Barclay. It's not Don Barclay gave up 8 million sacks when he started those games and earlier in his career. But you know what? It's not Don. I, I was, it's not Barclay's fault. He shouldn't be there. He should not be. Don Barclay should not have been starting at right tackle for a whole season. 
Don Barkley should have been starting at left tackle <laughs> against Ari- <laughs> in a meaningful football game like he had to do against um, Arizona in Week 16 in the 2015 season. It's not Don Barkley's fault. You know, Barkley is what he is. Gunter is what he is. It's not his fault he got torched by Des Bryant and Julio Jones in the playoff games. Those guys torched really good corners anyways. It's, it's not Gunter's fault. The guy did the best he could. I think he's going to be a dang good football player um, in the right measurements. Not by heaping helpful, I mean, not by heaping scoopfuls, but by teaspoons. Ladarius Gunter is a guy you can win with. He's got, and he's a part of the solution here. But for God's sakes, he's not the number one cornerback. Everybody in the world knows that. Mike McCarthy knows that. Joe Witt knows that. Tom Capers knows that. Everybody besides uh, um, Ted Thompson knew that this year. So, look, they, they've got to get corners. They've got to draft a corner too early. It's a good, very good cornerback draft. They've got to get a corner or two in here early, and they've got to hope to God that those young guys pan out. And speaking of young guys, you know, maybe Josh Hawkins pans out. Guy was a ball magnet in the preseason. Played a little bit early in the year, then week three against Detroit. Hawkins blows coverage on Marvin Jones. Not blows coverage, you know, just poor coverage on Marvin Jones. And then he misses the tackle. And it's a 73-yard touchdown. And then after that, Josh Hawkins played one snap on defense the rest of the year. Until the Dallas playoff game, when there were more injuries than he had to play. But the guy made some plays in the preseason. I'll be interested to see him come back. But he's going to have a tough climb to make this roster, too. It wasn't, you know, not just the poor coverage in his very, 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 very limited playing time. He also had three whole, three whole, or excuse me, three illegal block penalties on special teams. Not good. Um, we'll see. There is some potential there, but he's going to have to get his. Uh, he's going he's to have to make a big step forward for a unit, which you figure again he's, he's going to add some pieces here. And the same for Mackinton Dorliant, who got you know. You know, he injures his hamstring in a preseason, goes on injury reserve. He becomes sort of designated to return guy ahead of Lacey and Shields. Comes back for a bit, plays a little bit, tears his ACL at Detroit. So who knows? Herb Waters, the former uh, Miami receiver who Green Bay promoted to the active roster for the playoffs instead of actually a real living and breathing cornerback. Who the hell knows? No idea. So that's my, that's my scouting report on Herb Waters. Who the hell knows? So, I mean, honestly, I have no idea. Um, and, I have, and I have no idea about Dorlian either. Dorlian missed most of training camp, so I couldn't tell you a darn thing about either of those guys because they didn't play corner in training camp for me to actually judge them. I mean, Dorlian playing so little, it was irrelevant. And we, we don't get to see any meaningful practice stuff um, during during regular season. When, when we see the cornerbacks go through individual drills, they are... Um. Well, when they're, when they're in the Hudson Center, they're probably 50, probably, probably 50, 60 yards away from us. Uh, when they're outside for the regular season, the corner's right next to us, but he didn't practice for that stuff. So I really have absolutely no feel on those guys. We I, Obviously, we need to see those guys play in the preseason and, and stuff to get, have any idea if they have any sort of hope of helping this team in 2017. And last but not least, Dimitri Goodson. Had that really, really ugly knee injury against Washington in week, week 11. I mean, shoot, he's not going to be ready for training camp, I wouldn't think. Green Bay is pretty uh, 
pretty conservative with their guys. Anyway, actually, week 11, have been, you know, I don't have the dates in front of me. It'd be, it's at least November, though. So, the start of training camp will be, what, nine, nine and a half months after that injury. I mean, he's, he's probably a candidate for the pup list. Um, never been a very good player anyway. He says on special teams, he's been a really good special teams guy. Um, played a little bit against Dallas, Chicago, and Atlanta this year before he got hurt against uh, against Washington. So, again, it's a lot of question marks here between Goodson, Hawkins, Dorlant, Waters. I mean, those are, and those are the bit players. I mean, what, what about Randall? What about Rollins? Is High going to come back? I mean, really, the only sure thing in this cornerback group is Ladarius Gunter. And that seems like a great time to tell you that this is the end of today's podcast. I thank you for listening. Have a great day. And I'll talk to you about the safeties tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.